from the host that brought you to Coding Westworld. And Westworld the Recapables. Comes the Ringer Prestige TV podcast on Westworld. I'm Joanna Robinson. I'm Danny Heifetz. And I'm David Shoemaker. Welcome to Westworld Season 4 and the Prestige TV Podcast feed, where we're going to break down every episode of Westworld Season 4. Every Monday, the day after the show comes out on the Prestige TV Podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, but get them on Spotify. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase, every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is supported by H&R Block. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season is better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about minions. <laughs> We've been joking about addressing the giant minion in the room for years now. It's finally time. This past holiday weekend's record-breaking blockbuster is Minions The Rise of Gru. It was everything we ever could have imagined when, in the great distance, Amanda saw looming over our city of Los Angeles, the giant minion. And the minions are here. How are you feeling, Amanda? Did you see the minions' flags? That no. were flying over Los Angeles for like the two weeks before the release of this movie. I, I thought I was having some sort of hallucination, <laughs> but I saw them in two distinct locations in addition to the giant minion who stands watch over Universal Studios and the Valley. And I got to be honest, I, I wanted to take my son to visit the minion. You know, I promised the people that I would go visit the minion and like... Babies just require a lot of gear. And we didn't like, we didn't get there. We drove by. I pointed the minion out, but I didn't go, like, I have not yet made my pilgrimage to the foot of the minion. But <laughs> I did have multiple minion flags, like, driving along the highway, uh, like, uh, above with me throughout the week before I left Los Angeles. And I just... I think all the time and a ridiculous energy that we put into making jokes about the minions has paid off. Sort of. We called, I called it. At least we have a podcast to do. I don't know. This the year is, of Amanda continues. The year of Amanda continues. The minions are massive. I'll be honest. I have not paid close attention to what the minions are and what the Despicable <laughs> Me franchise is since it's been going. I've seen, I had actually seen the original film when it came out in 2010. But aside from that, I knew it as a bit, as mm -hmm. a meme, mm -hmm. as a talking point in your life as a denizen mm -hmm. of Los Angeles. Can I just be clear? Like, I also only knew it as a bit and a talking point. No, no, no. Point. Just be honest. This is your I favorite have, franchise. No, I have seen most of Despicable Me. Mm -hmm. 
And I watched the Minions without sound on my flight from Los Angeles to Atlanta uh, with my five-month-old son, who was wrapped, I just want to say. Just that's what got us through takeoff. And he just stared at the screen. So that's all I know about the Minions. This is a joke. This is the ultimate, just like you make a bit and then three to five years later, you're driving by yourself to your childhood mall to see the freaking (laughs) Minions movie by yourself. Okay? I want to be clear. We're going to talk about our viewing experiences of this new film in a little while because mine was quite interesting. And how people are watching Minions is a bit of a trend at the moment, so we can discuss that too. But, you know, this movie um, is the fifth in the Despicable Me film franchise, which is... The universe, please. Universe, excuse Show me. Show some respect, okay? I'm, I'm, I, my apologies to Gru and all Gru-related figures. Um, you know, this is like a... It's basically the Three Stooges. That's what I realized yeah. while watching this, is that it you know, focuses on these three characters, these three yellow rod banana-like characters, Kevin, Stewart, and Bob. Um, they were first seen in, the min- in Despicable Me as kind of like sidekick side comedy figures and they have emerged over time as really like the whole show like i feel like Gru is real secondary at this point yeah they were the toy characters they were like the the bb8 or the r2d2 those are the right names right thank you you, you're nodding you nailed it yeah um and then and they were put there i think for toys and also for little kids because you know little kids like something cute and then they really stole the show and got their own spinoff now two movies because this is the second movie after Minions. That's correct. Um, and so now we're 12 years into the story of these banana-esque creatures that speak in Minionese. Did you know that that was the language that they speak in? I did, but I did Google what language do Minions speak while in the theater. So It appears to be a combination of French, Spanish, English. I Someone referenced Korean as, a, mm-hmm. as part of this and a, a, a little bit of gibberish as well. Um, Pierre Coffin, who is one of the co-directors of a handful of the Despicable Me films, voices all of the minions. He is the um, he is the Ur minion, I guess you could say. And there is something very French, I will say, about these characters and about this style of comedy. There's a little. This is kind of high minded, but there is a little bit of Jacques Tati in these movies. And I'm wondering, like, were you open minded enough as you approached the first Minions movie, this new one? Could you process it as a work of art? Because there are readings that you can do into these movies that are not just this is a dumb kids movie. I'm not saying I did that, but I'm wondering if you were just like, I'm just going to barrel through this as best I can. Or did you have an open mind to Minions as art? I have a simpler answer, which is that I laughed like a lot. Okay. (laughs) And as many times I was the only person laughing in the theater. And this Three Stooges are the obvious reference in terms of, you know, three sort of goofy characters who have silly, not hugely dangerous things happen to them, even though, like, the minions are often involved in, you know, they, they serve villains. So the, the, their plots are to ruin the world. But they are antic and hyper and slapstick, and I just find this funny, and I, like, j- I just laughed a lot. While I, so I, I wasn't thinking about you know, European cinema. I was thinking about like, lol, I think that's funny. And I was very mad when the minions weren't on the screen. Mm. I thought Steve Carell was very good as Gru. And I, I was like, oh, Steve Carell, a national treasure, great stuff. Um, but as the, you know, the rest of the quote story, 
unfolded, I found I did not care about that at all. And I, like a child, just wanted the minions back. I'm not saying that I spent a lot of time uh, looking for minions on Mubi or on the Criterion okay. channel. I'm, I, but, you know, there is a, you know, there's some Mr. Bean, there's some Jerry Lewis, yeah, there's some Chaplin and, you know, Abbott and Costello in these movies. And the slapsticky, kind of violent but safe approach to mm-hmm. comedy. I don't think of that as your style of comedy, though. That you don't you seem to really reference stuff like that too often. I I don't totally think of it either, but I don't know what to tell you. It just makes me laugh. Okay. I guess like I we watched a fair amount of of Mr. Bean and I was familiar with the Three Stooges. Like I grew up on a lot of that stuff. I don't know, people falling down does make me laugh. And there is, it, especially, I don't know, if there's some sort of almost, you know, slovenly genius or, you know, in all of it, it just, I think it's really funny, which they, there's a little bit of this going on of these people, these people, these minions, um, <laughs> these people, oh my God, what are we doing? I just, we're having a conversation about film references and the minions. I okay. We did it, Amanda, we did it! I know, I just, I... They're funny. It's okay. they're they're you know they don't know what they're doing. They're a little mischievous, but also they're really good at uh you know plots to overthrow the world, and they're funny. I laughed. So you, you mentioned that you watched this film with your son on the plane, the original Minions mm-hmm. film. Um, mm-hmm. I did actually fire up the first Minions film with my daughter as well. She also absolutely mesmerized. My wife yeah. was mortified that I was showing her this film, which is basically <laughs> the Minions movie to a one year old is like a, getting a little droplet of crack in your throat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so frenetic yes. and intense and fast-moving and mesmerizing in its own way that um, we had to power down a little bit after we okay. watched Minions. Oh, she's um, hype. I guess I should say that shortly after my son watched the Minions, he pooped all over me on an airplane. <laughs> so I, if, if you want to read cause and effect there, that's... Yeah. That's what we took away from the experience. That's what they do. They loosen our bodily functions, you know? They just keep us regular. It was like a five-star like disaster. <laughs> I was like wiping myself with wet wipes so I could just like make eye contact with people. It's truly humiliating. It's deeply gross. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, I thought as I was watching the movie with my daughter, you sent me a photo of, of you and Knox watching the movie. When I went to go see the movie on Sunday night, of a holiday weekend, mm-hmm. I thought there would be a lot of little children attending mm-hmm. the movie over the weekend. I had been reading that it had been doing very well at the box office. So I got myself a 9.15 p.m. ticket. I was like, I want to go with as few people as possible. I want to oh just get God. in and get did out. Did you actually, did you get Gentle Minions? I did not see any Gentle Minions, which is to say this is a trend of people, I guess this started on TikTok, of teen boys dressing in suits and tuxedos, sometimes donning a cigar and sitting down and watching the movie Minions like gentlemen, gentlemen of the Minions. Gentle Minions. And they go at, like in groups too. Yes, big groups. Now, there was no one in a suit at my screening, but my 915 screening in Glendale was packed f- full to the gills of teenagers. And obviously there's a reason for this, right? The first Despicable Me movie comes out in 2010. Minions comes out in 2015. A lot of these teenagers were little yeah. kids. They're all grown up. And this is their this is their Star Wars. This is their Toy Story. This is the, the, like, the same way that when Toy Story 4 came out, I was like, I am fucking there. I will be there on opening night despite the fact that I'm a 35-year-old man. It's clear to me 
that Despicable Me and Minions are the franchise of this generation. And one thing that was funny, one, there were a lot of dates, a lot of like 14 and 15 year old dates. Yes. Taking place there, which was hilarious. Two, not a lot of laughing. There was a little Mm. bit of this like feeling setting in amongst these teenagers of like, did we really just spend our summer night watching a Minions movie? Like I'm 14 years old. Is this a cool thing to do? And it's not. There were some walkouts. I watched Mm. some teenagers get bored and just be like, I'm not doing this. But for the most part, they were into it. They were watching it and like wrapped by the world of Minions. And I I just didn't see that coming at all. I thought I was going to be by myself sitting in Glendale. There were no gentle minions at my screening, uh, which was devastating to me because <laughs> I think that this is hilarious. I am, I don't, TikTok is way too noisy for me. I just, sorry, I'm old. And I, I don't really, I'm not interested in what the teens are interested in, but I saw gentle minions and I was like, the kids are all right. The kids are going to be great. This is amazing. <laughs> the future is bright. And I really wish that I'd seen a gentle minion, but I went at 12.45 on a Saturday of a holiday weekend. So I had a lot of small children and parents and the children were very cute and they seemed way more excited about the trailers than the movie itself. Mm -hmm. But when the minions really kicked into high gear, there's a a set piece in which uh, Kevin Stewart and Bob um, commandeer an airplane and fly to San Francisco and they make it, you know? But Very the- realistic se- sequence there, yeah. <laughs> Very scientifically accurate as well. But like, it was the children and Amanda laughing at uh, the, <laughs> the airplane sequence. And then, but that was nice. All the kids were like very cute. And it was also very sweet. It was, you know, maybe one or two children and then four family members because it was mm-hmm. a holiday weekend. So it was clear that a lot of like families... Like, all the adults were taking the one kid to, you know, their first or second and early movie. And I thought that was very sweet. So even though they didn't wear suits, I was pleased to be there. This movie is a phenomenon. It made $108.5 million over the weekend. That is the biggest weekend in the history of July 4th at the movies. And we're still coming out of a pandemic. Uh, I I didn't see this coming. I didn't really either, even though I've been doing this joke for a long time. I don't know. I I mean, I do know that the children really like the Minions. And then, as you said, this is now a 12-year concern. So there are a lot of former children who are now teenagers and in college and, you know, doing it for the TikTok, I guess. What's the, for the, the memes, tic- yeah. They're yeah, what's the, the TikTok version of doing it for the gram? Uh, I don't know why I'm asking I, you that. I don't Mike, speak do you know? that language. That's okay. Just yeah. No, Mike, no one no, knows. Okay. Okay. So there is like a wider base, I guess, to see it. And also, you know, I think maybe the 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 shock has been that this did this well. And that also, in comparison, Lightyear just really has not done well at the box office. And maybe it was because Lightyear wasn't very good. I think that's part of it. Um, I don't know that... It's kind of hard. We'll talk about Minions, The Rise of Gru in detail, which is a crazy thing we're going to do. We're going to do it because I think it's funny to talk about. But um, like how good or not good these movies are is an interesting conversation because they are so big. The first Despicable Me movie made over $500 million. The next three all made a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. There's there's like four or five franchises that can say the same thing and they're all what you would think they are. They're Marvel and... DC and Pixar and not even Pixar. I mean, there's like, there's so few dependable franchises like this. The fact that this one is still going as strong as it is, it certainly um, 
justifies the fact that this movie's been delayed for two years. It was supposed to come out in 2020 and COVID, you know, Illumination and Universal very wisely resisted releasing this movie until this summer. And every single one of these movies has come out over the summer because it is a perfect schools out movie. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I don't think when the first one came out, I was like, this will be in our lives for the next 15 years. But here it is. I would also say that the marketing has been uniquely insane, even for kids' movies and just, I don't know, marketing in 2022, which can feel like a an assault on the senses. But I mean, the Minions are, I was joking about the flags, but the flags were a real thing that I experienced. But the Minions are everywhere. They're, you know, in every single like sports commercial now. I've been watching a lot of Wimbledon and then I'm seeing insurance commercials with the Minions. Yeah. They're like weird tie-ins for everything. I I understand why they went all in because this franchise is valuable to them. And But it's like, in a lot of ways, it seems like, oh, this level of marketing works. Especially if it's, you know, that it's three little yellow things that little kids like. Just get them as in as many faces as possible. I It is an Orwellian psyop. I'm dead yeah. serious. Yeah. This, it's actually like, when you think about all of the little component parts of the way that this franchise has been, has besieged upon us, it is a, it feels almost like a science fiction novel. Wait, I forgot to tell a great story that is a little bit science fiction-y and also funny, which is um, how I got to see Minions, The Rise of Gru for free. Okay. Which is, uh, so I, as I mentioned, I flew to Atlanta, I, which is where I grew up, was staying with my parents. And I let them know that I, I let my dad know that I would need him to babysit so that I could go alone to see Minions, The Rise of Gru for work, which is like a normal thing. <laughs> and not only did my, God bless my dad, he was like, yep, I got you. No problem. Um, was he like, also, makes sense? I, you know, he just, he learned early on with me to just nod his head and be like, that sounds great. You know, whatever you want, Amanda, I support you, which is okay. honestly all you could want from a parent. You're going to need to do the same thing for your child. So I, who says I won't? When he's dressed as a gentle minion 10 years from now. I would be so proud of Knox if he were a gentle minion. <laughs> I would drive him to the theater myself. Like someone let him know when he understands what any of those words mean. Anyway, my dad was like, I got you. I'd love to babysit. Also, I just had to sign up for something from Comcast. I don't know what he signed up for, but it was for Comcast. So my dad was offered two free vouchers to Minions, The Rise of Gru, along mm -hmm. with his weird like Comcast cable, whatever subscription. And so he was like, would you like my free Minions, Rise of Gru tickets? I said, yes, dad, I would. And then I got an email with the subject line, Minions Assemble. Shout out to my dad in on the joke. And I went for free. But like, that's how far the tentacles reached that my, my father, who is now a grandfather, is like, yeah, I can hook you up with some Minions tickets. Well, I'm glad you didn't have to pay for this. Um, yeah. Not that it was so onerous. It was, first of all, this movie is only 80 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a kid's movie. It flies are you gonna by. Turn, tell me right now, are you turning on Minions Rise of Gru? No, 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 no. Okay. I thought it was fine. All right. I thought it was. Okay. I thought it was. I thought it was clever at times. It's the animation is really good. It's really cool as far as animated movies go. Um, okay. I just I want to say though that there is a reading on this film. Oh boy. I, that I don't. I don't. I've never seen this before. This is just me riffing. I'm sure someone has made this point before because of course the movie is called Minions, mm -hmm. and it, it is about drones. It is about henchmen. It is about people who are the aide de camp to. 
a capitalist infrastructure. I mean, these supervillains, right. there's a late capitalism reading of these movies about how we all want to be amused by and like these drones that are working in this superstructure that keeps us in our place. And the mm-hmm. success of these movies and the fact that Kevin and Stuart and Bob and Otto and the whole gang are the heroes now, superseding Gru, who is this ambitious, kind of relentless, creative figure, that the leaders now of this franchise are, are the proletariat, tells us a lot about what we want in our entertainment and what we want in our lifestyle. What do you think? Am I onto something here? <laughs> First of all, I didn't know which way you were going at the end there. And I was going to come back to you with some, you know, textual reading, which is, uh, you, I thought you were going to make an argument about how this is another movie about, you know, how capitalism destroys us all, which maybe it is. Sure, it is. But also, you know, Gru just learns to love his family and to not be a supervillain. Sorry to spoil a movie that came out 12 years ago. And the the minions follow him, but they just, you know, they love their guy. And also, despite themselves, they get into trouble and do weird things all of the time. Okay, here's the thing. In the first Minions movie, we see that the Minions are thousands of years old, which is incredibly creepy, Mm -hmm. and that they have endlessly sought a leader. They Mm -hmm. want to report for duty. They want to serve. They Mm -hmm. don't have any independent spirit. They have no self-ambition. They only want to be operating in service of someone else's vision. So tell me I'm wrong when I say that this is a movie for our time. You're not wrong, Sean. You're really right. Thank you. Thank you. I feel great <laughs> about this. Has anyone done this? Has anyone done that 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 yes, spiel? Yes, of course. Have you signed on to Twitter.com? No, I haven't seen that tape. Yeah. Um, well, feel free to reach out to me uh, at okay. AK Dobbins just, on Twitter. <laughs> why don't you just put it on your letterbox, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm sure uh, there's a long, you know, discourse going. Let's talk a little bit about The Rise of Gru, okay? okay. So... One funny thing is the original Minions film is a it's a period piece. This is also mm-hmm. a period piece. The first mm-hmm. one, set in 1968, features some Beatles music. I'm sure you responded to that. Features a lot of Queen Elizabeth. Yes. So I, a, I was very excited about that. I could also recognize that without the sound. So, I, I mean, I got to give them credit. I did watch the first movie without sound, and it had that silent film just slapped. Out. Like, I got the jokes. It was very fun. Totally. This new one is set in 1976. Uh, an 11-year-old Gru allows the minions for, to work for him as their new leader, which is, of course, what happens in this society. One day, Gru receives an audition invitation from the Vicious Six. This is a criminal organization looking for a new member. This organization was originally founded by Wild Knuckles, who's voiced by Alan Arkin, the great Alan Arkin in this movie. And the Vicious Six is now led by newly appointed leader Bell Bottom, voiced by Taraji P. Henson, following their seemingly successful attempt to kill Knuckles after stealing a stone connected to the Chinese Zodiac, Shades of Raiders of the Lost Ark here. Gru's interview goes poorly with the Vicious Six. Much to the outrage of the Vicious Six, he steals the stone that they have been praising. And then hijinks ensue. The minions have to get involved to save the stone that they've lost. Transcontinental travel. We get (laughs) Kung Fu. We get monsters. We get all kinds of hijinks um, across this story. Did you did you like Rise of Gru? You seem to be getting mad at me for seemingly turning on it. I don't know. I just thought you were really going to drive this into, you know, a, a unfun intellectual uh, territory, which is sort of the appeal of it. It has a lot of references, as you said, and it's, you know, kind of part 70s 
homage. There's a lot of James Bond and Mission Impossible in this. There is a lot of superhero-ish stuff or like origin, you know, I mean, it's an origin story of a of a villain that is meant to humanize him. So it's the last... It's all about trauma, as we 30 know. years at the movies. Um, but it's also just, you know, stupid, silly, but still clever. I mean, there's an art in in silliness if it's done well, I think, or if it makes me laugh. And so, yeah, I liked it. I honestly barely remember the plot. I re- I'm not kidding. When the minions weren't on the screen, I was like texting you about the Lyle the Crocodile trailer or <laughs> Lyle like, Lyle Crocodile. Lyle please. Lyle the Crocodile. I'm sorry. I know. You know. There's no the. You're turning into a mom. Lyle <laughs> Lyle Crocodile. Me. All right. I have to be honest. So I know that was an <laughs> internet thing, but I didn't watch it, uh, even though you even texted it to me and Chris and I didn't watch it. And then I saw it in the theater. And when the and Sean Mendez as Lyle shows up, I <laughs> lost it. That was one of the instances where Amanda was the only person just absolutely cackling in the theater. Anyway, I loved the minions part of it. And the rest was like fine and cute enough. And I don't care about I like Gru. And as I said, I really like the Steve Carell performance, but I mean, I mean, it was cute. There were James Bond homages, and also there was this, like, James Bond aspect of, like, I didn't really care. The villains were themselves, the actual villains, the uh, vicious six, didn't really care about them. Okay. Didn't care about the MacGuffin, you know. Okay. I didn't care about the story so much as being in the, <laughs> being in the world of the minions. What are we doing? <laughs> Just go with it. Just go. Because here's the thing. If if the people who participated in this film are up for it, then we have to be up for it. And and that's I'm that's up an, for it. This is an this is an entree into talking about the cast of this movie because we've okay. already talked about Carell and Colfin and Taraji Henson and Alan Arkin. There's a whole list of other very well known people who do some voice acting in this movie, including Michelle Yeoh. Michelle, mm-hmm. what a year Michelle Yeoh is having. Also seemingly reprising her role from Shang-Chi. She was in Shang-Chi, right? As this similar kind of maternal figure? Yes, I believe so. Also, the RZA plays a biker who drives a minion to San Francisco. That's the Otto. thing that happens. We haven't talked about Otto yet. Otto is uh, not my favorite minion. Is he really? your favorite? Yeah, he's too no, fat. No, 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 no. Bob, for sure, over oh, here. Though yeah. I like, I have real affection for Stuart. Yeah, but I, I fuck think- with Stuart. Yeah, because, you know, Stuart is sort of the skeptical one. His, mm-hmm. the the other two minions, they have smiles and as a resting or, you know, neutral resting face. And he has a frown as a resting face, which I relate to. But Bob really brings the the goods home, you know? And I liked the thing where he has a hard head and you can't smash him. That was very funny. I just, I forgot one part of my um, exegesis on minions. Great. Uh, they are shaped like pills. This is the soma of our generation. You know, we have to serve. Okay. And the only way to to control our mood and balance our ambition is to take the minions, to literally imbibe them. Okay, that's fine. They're just they're tic tacs. They're cute tic tacs that you just want to like ingest a lot of. I won't sleep. I have been awoken to the truth <laughs> about minions. So you can't put me back to bed. What's a good pun? What's a minions pun for you? And your critical theory here. Like the gentle minions, but... Um, From minions to mignonette, I won't be slurping down this sop. Okay, great. That's really good. 
Good job. (laughs) That was right off the top of my head. Other voices you'll find in this film. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Lucy Lawless, Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trejo, Russell Brand returning to the franchise, and Julie Andrews (laughs) returning to the franchise. There's like 18 Oscar nominations in this cast. How many minutes total do you think Julie Andrews spent doing voice work for this film? She's been in previous films. She has. Her character appears in one scene in this film. Yes. So... Uh, I, if she, if you told me she recorded it in a phone booth, I wouldn't be shocked. Sure, but you think like how many takes does Julie Andrews need for this? Oh, Are we one. thinking so like twenty minutes tops? Yeah, I mean she's okay. just she's a voice acting murderess at this point. I mean she's I mean, really I in her nineties and crushing. She's in her nineties, yes. right? I probably ish. Um, anytime Julie Andrews gets a huge check, I'm into it. Did she just bank a million on this? What? How did she do? I hope so, but I really, I want to know the the ratio, kind of the breakdown, time spent, money, because I really think maybe 45 minutes total, but not more than an hour committed to this film. She's my hero. I love her. Alan Arkin also, no spring chicken. The man is 88 years old. I guess he voiced this two years ago, but so 86 years old. He's in a huge part of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like sort of the, um, I don't know, sort of like the mentor leader figure that inspires grew in a way. Uh, I know it's just voice acting, but still, 86, he seems like he's in great health. I mean, I hope that you're still podcasting at 86, Sean. I believe in you. you God, know? I really don't. <laughs> I, I really, if I, if, 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 if you're listening, if you, one, if you even know me to 86, I won, right? That means I made it to 86. Two, right. if anyone out there is listening, hears me podcasting at 86, hire an assassin, send them to my house, and take me out. That's all I ask. Also, think about your own choices that, because we're talking 40, 50 years into the future, 46 to be exact. Yeah. So I'm hoping all of you are just, if you make it that long, are making better choices about how you're spending your time. When are you wrapping it up in the podcasting front? I I haven't decided yet, you know? Okay. There's no end date in sight. Sure. I, like, listen, Cameron Diaz taught us that, you know, never say never. So she's coming back. I might take a break. I can come back to, you know, <laughs> the sky's the limit for me. I, I still have to work on my own wine venture, mm-hmm. but I I believe in Cameron Diaz and I believe in me. Do you think the Dob Mob would hang on for seven years if you took a little period off? Well, they also have hobbies. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they have <laughs> interests outside the podcast. Uh-huh. And I would like to think that they would support and also be interested in my vanity alcohol project, you know? <laughs> should we tease? Should we tease your, right. what, what we're doing on the show? Speaking of vanity alcohol? Yeah. I've, I've been meaning to ask you anyway, like, should we start sourcing this? Uh, we are going to be doing a taste test of various celebrity alcohol products. I assume that I believe it's Aveline wine. Okay. Which I, I've been feeling bad about this. Once on a podcast, I said that it was sugar-free wine. And that's not possible. And <laughs> <laughs> It's made from fruit. So it's like weird, clean wine, apparently. I've still never tried it, though I spoke to a very nice woman at the Sprouts near my home who was buying like a whole... A shopping cart full of just Aveline wine. So she this is Cameron Diaz's much. wine? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what Aveline. she's been up to. So yeah, we're going to do a kind of birthday episode yes. for you. M- movie star alcohol taste testing. Mm-hmm. Wines and spirits. Yes. Which should be fun. And, and should we do it blind? I guess so. Though, I, I mean, 
I don't know how many different gins are there versus I think probably wine. We could do a blind taste test. How many times am I allowed to use the phrase mouthfeel? Okay, (laughs) as many as you want. Okay, that's good to know. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig inspires people of all ages to jump through life and its muddy puddles with enthusiasm. The relatable stories, oinks, and giggles have made her preschooler's first best friend, helping them navigate everyday life with unabashed exuberance. And now you can discover new playtime adventures with your little ones. Jump into spring and hunt for muddy puddles in Peppa's caravan playset. Hit the road for endless adventures and have heaps of fun with Peppa's whole family, oinks and giggles are guaranteed. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence since 2004. Peppa Pig is a trademark of Hasbro created by Mark Baker and Neville Astley. Let's go back to the Minions for a second. Okay. Do you, is this exciting showing these films to your son? Like, obviously you you showed him the first film just to get him through his first you know, flight across the country. Yes, it was during takeoff. I put it on. And it was that, a narcotic, just like all of these films are meant to right, be narcotics. Right. But like when he's two or three or four, are you like, we're going to start with the OG and we're going to run through the series of Minions and Gru films? No, I mean, I'm not going to sit through how six Minions films because I believe there is a Despicable Me 4 in the works Coming because soon. content yes. never sleeps. No, I, I I wouldn't say they're at the top of my list. When I went in the afternoon and there were all these families with their kids there and the kids were so excited, I got really excited. And I was like, this will be a very cute thing to take Knox to the movies. And um, I I have a godson as well. I've been entrusted with someone's spiritual life who's seven. And he went on Friday night to see the minions and like I heard about his thoughts. So it's cute. I like this idea of kids being excited and they're like jumping up and down. I don't know. But, and I I would show him these movies, I guess. I might go straight to Minions or Minions Rise of Gru. I don't -hmm. know if I need Despicable Me. Um, But I'm more excited about the experience, I think, than this particular source text. So one of the things that's interesting about this franchise is the music. The first film, of course, was scored completely by Pharrell, and he got an Academy Award nomination for a little song called Happy. Right. Um, And one, I I consider myself a a Pharrell expert. I've been closely monitoring his career since I began my career in music journalism. And um, I think it's a pretty good soundtrack. And uh, the music has been weirdly a huge part of this story. Now, this, this installment, they drafted Jack Antonoff 
the controversial frontman of Bleachers and producer of artists like Taylor Swift, to enlist a series of very cool young artists to re-record hits from the 1970s. Did you clock that when you were watching it? Or did you think that these were just like cheapo versions of famous songs? I don't think that I recognized, you know, Phoebe Bridgers or whatever. I don't know what she's saying. What did she sing in Minions, The Rise of Gru? So Phoebe Bridgers sings Goodbye to Love, which is a song by the Carpenters. Okay. So I didn't, I wasn't sitting there in the movie being like, oh, that's Phoebe Bridgers. I noticed that they were doing new versions of contemporaneous 70s songs. And I was like, oh, you're doing this for the parents. This is nice. But I would say all the musical moments that stood out to me were when the Minions were singing, (laughs) which included when the Minions were building some sort of lair in Gru's basement, I guess Julie Andrews' basement. And they're like, their song instead of whistle while you work was Cecilia. Um, the the is is it Paul Simon or Simon and Garfunkel? It's Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so and I opened my phone to write Cecilia in a note and then closed it again just so I wouldn't forget. And then I would say the other highlight of the movie for me was at the end. There's a solemn event. I won't spoil for which a minion choir is convened. <laughs> To sing, you can't always get what you want. And they go for like two minutes and it's like a hundred minions in like gospel choir attire swaying. And I thought that that was truly hilarious. I was laughing very hard. It was by far my favorite part of the movie. I thought it was absolutely brilliant Um, and really weird. And truly, I was like, we're through the looking glass as a culture. You know, we have let these yellow pills sing Rolling Stones songs to us. To your point about, um, you know, speaking to the parents, obviously this is a trope in animated films for the last 20, 30 years, right? Is that the films in many ways are more for the parents than they are for the children as long as they can kind of entertain the children. The thing about this one is, if you have St. Vincent and Thundercat and Wise Blood and Gary Clark and all of these cool artists, Tame Impala on your soundtrack, like that speaks to, I would say like 25 to 35-year-olds, maybe 40-year-olds, But the songs that they're covering, you know, I wasn't alive when any of these songs came out. So it's this odd kind of middle ground between trying to fuse like pure 70s nostalgia, like Shining Star and Funky Town and songs like that with Phoebe Bridgers. And it was a real like neither fish nor fowl thing. It's like most of the parents in that room are probably between the ages of 30 and 40. Right. So what about the grandparents? It's huge for the grandparents, right? The, the disco grandparents, exactly. So you're you're doing all of the buckets. Also, I mean, most thirty to forty year olds who are going to clock Phoebe Bridgers and Saint Vincent are probably also somewhat familiar with the music of the seventies. You know mm-hmm. that like everyone's a self styled music expert. So I I don't know. It felt for it felt like it was for grownups. Were your parents into disco? No, but I love disco, so I was happy. You love disco? Yeah. What are you talking talking about? about? No. What are you talking about? No, I just do. (laughs) (laughs) Some things you can't explain. I don't think I've ever heard you just outright say, I love this. I love it. It's really fun. Okay. (laughs) I run a lot to a lot of disco music. You run to disco? Yeah. Okay. Would you run to the Minion soundtrack? No. Okay. Because the, I don't need to hear the Minions singing Cecilia while I run. Although sometimes I do run to a regular Cecilia as well. What are we talking... So you just will like 
pop on the hustle and just go for a jog? No, it's just it's on my playlists at, or, or and I now Spotify like recommends, you know. What, like Casey know. and the Sunshine Band? Gloria Club, Gaynor? Mel Rogers and oh, that yeah, sort sure. of, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, Chic. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's cool. But like know. cool disco? Donna Summer? Like, okay. I, you know. Okay, all right. Earth, Wind & Fire? What about Earth, Wind & Fire? I mean, I like Earth, Wind & Fire, but that's, it's can be a little cheesy, you know? Well, it's like, how dare you? On the, on the edge, like, of the wedding playlist, but like, not quite the center of the wedding playlist is where I am. I'm not like, you know, I'm not an expert over here. I just enjoy it. I've been at weddings with you. I don't really remember this as a, as a thing at all. I, well, I wasn't in charge about. of the music, so, but you know. They always play disco at weddings, and it's not like I saw you, like, race to the dance floor like a demon. You were like, this is my song. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Well, like... that, that's not the kind of love that we have. I, like, <laughs> when am I, like, rushing to the dance floor being like, this is my song? I'm not, that's like, true. standing on the table at weddings. I'm like some of our friends. But have you, have you ever seen me do that? Race to the dance floor saying, this is my song? No. I would, I would for, like, a Nick Cave song. Okay, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I just say, I watched Hustle with my dad and oh, sure. um, his wife when we were home. Great, great movie to watch with the family, by the way. Even though somehow I was not with my Philadelphia Sixers husband and just once again wound up consuming Philadelphia 76ers content. Can't escape it. Um, but we watched with subtitles. And so I think towards the end when Adam Sandler makes it back on the floor, they're like playing a Freeway song. And then I tried to explain who Freeway it was to my dad. And also like the, our wedding, which you remember my wedding turned into sort of like a, a Philly rap uh, debacle. It was, yeah, it turned into Hot 97 circa yeah. 2004. It was pretty great. <laughs> didn't it? Didn't it? The explanation didn't really catch on, but that that was okay. It was a it was a nice intergenerational moment. Do you have anything else you want to say about Minions? This may be the last time we talk about this for a while, maybe ever. I mean, it's a huge movie, so maybe not. Mm, best of the year. No, no, I just but it made a lot of money. <laughs> They're uh-huh. making more of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're disappearing from the culture anytime soon, but I guess we don't really need to lose our jokes. I don't know. I talked about the Minion Choir. That's kind of where my interest and passion ends, but it was beautiful. I'm really annoyed that that's not on the soundtrack. It's not. No, you can't find it. Okay. But maybe we'll play, um, maybe we'll play the Minions version of Cecilia as the outro music today, just so people can get a little taste of that. Uh, you know, I, I've been asking you about showing Knox stuff because I thought one way to kind of cap this conversation would be just to talk about what we're going to we're going to show our kids. So I'm just now starting to do it. I'm just now starting to put stuff in front of Alice. And so there's been a short list so far. I've mentioned most of what we've done, I think. I showed Ponyo mm-hmm. and I showed Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, which has been really interesting because like she'll get really locked in for like three minutes and then get super bored, which is how I think how she'll be forever because she's gonna have a phone and an ipad and all those things um and she watched a little bit of minions and she seemed to dig that which I, is a little scary to me it's cute though i know Knox watches a lot of golf with his dad what else does he watch <laughs> and a lot of tennis this week though um mm. really great grandparent performance so as i mentioned my dad very graciously babysat while i went to see minions the rise of Gru. And I came home. My dad and Knox were in the family room watching Donnie Brasco together, (laughs) which is, (laughs) let me just be clear. When I left, Wimbledon was on the TV. When I came back, my father had opened Netflix and selected 
Donnie Brasco to watch with his infant grandson. So sky's the limit for Knox, you know, really anything he wants. Uh, Knox, come on the rewatchables. That's all I have to say to that. When are we doing Donnie Brasco on the rewatchables with <laughs> like, Knox? Dad, what are you doing? He's like, remember this movie? It's great. Uh, that's peculiar. A little dangerous. Good, 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 good movie. I like that movie. Um, what else? Let's like we we picked five movies. I don't I don't yeah. know if we need to necessarily rank these movies as to how we're going to show them because they can all be shown over a weekend. But um, what what'd you pick? What's what are some movies you want to show, Knox? So the first one that came to mind, strangely, was Matilda, mm-hmm. which came out. I guess I was about twelve, and I loved this book very much. And this is one of the great book-to-movie adaptations, in my opinion. They really got it, and it was all of these experiences that, and scenes that I imagined as a kid, like the the giant chocolate cake and the thing spinning around the room, and to actually go and get to see them in real life uh, was very exciting and has stayed with me. I kind of have those mental images in my head. It's, a, it's an adaptation of a Roald Dahl book that I like very much. Um, so my I'm favorite looking, book when I was in third grade. Yeah. Favorite book. It, well, you know, it's about a, a little girl who, you know, uses the powers of her brain and to to make friends and and not really save the world, but get make out her from life under the yeah. yeah, get out from under her parents and her teacher's foot, you know, and learn to experience a creative life independently. Exactly. Um, and you know, find love and and fulfillment. So it's I love that book, and I really can't wait to read Knox that book and mm. then kind of see the movie and have that that magical feeling of like, oh my gosh, it's real, which when you're a kid, I think you like really, the, the movie versions of stuff have that power in a way that is incredibly exciting if it's done well. Completely agree. I had forgotten about Matilda, but maybe the move is to buy some rural doll books. Actually, this week is Alice's birthday. She turns uh, she turns one years old on one Wednesday, which is mind-blowing but um doll was huge for me uh and one thing about doll books i feel like they're not gender essentialized you know there's sort of like even though there's charlie and the chocolate factory there's matilda you know even though there's the witches there's the bfg you know what i mean like it's kind of it's a pretty balanced collection of stories um so with that in mind i actually picked two two balanced stories uh for number five i cheated you cheated later on so i feel better about this um keeping uh the studio ghibli train going my neighbor totoro is the the number one movie that has been recommended to me by my i guess more cinematically minded friends that that's a movie that kids like really cling to when they're young because of the pace of the animation and because of the idea of friendship and the idea of like a creative world that exists just beyond adults grasp um and the same is true for the iron giant and i feel like the iron giant um brad bird's kind of wonderful 2d animation film said in the 1950s um they're kind of two sides of the same coin you know they're both about like imaginary friends or unreal friends or created friends and they're both about like those friends kind of coming um i don't know not under attack necessarily but um under doubt and i like that and alice you know alice is is a is is a one of one she's the only person in this house that is like her there's she got no siblings i don't know if she's gonna have any siblings i don't think so and so i think the ability to like have a creative experience is something that i want for her so i think these movies hopefully will unlock something nice i i could be wrong i know that this whole project like if we show this to our kids in like five years they're gonna be like right. you're, you're an idiot mom you're an idiot dad but 
it's nice to imagine a moment in time when we can show them something that we like. Yeah, this is a little bit of project and heartbreak because even as I was putting this list together, I was so excited and so much of the excitement is imagining him responding to something and liking something that I like. But yeah, like we're just setting ourselves up for failure on that front. I I wonder if he'll like your number four. Your number four was like also one of my absolute favorites when I was a kid. Muppets Take Manhattan. I don't I don't really do animated films, but I definitely do Muppets. And I this is a little I, these are a lot smarter and more artistic, I think, than Minions, with all respect to the Minions who made me laugh. But the same thing of, you know, some goofy characters uh, with a lot of, and and like fuzzy and cuddly and, you know, something that children can respond to on a kid's level and then a lot of adult humor and references and a sort of like wry comedic sensibility, which the minions have in addition to being minions. I just, I don't know when I'm going to get over how much time I've spent speaking intellectually about the minions. But anyway, Muppets Take Manhattan. It's just my favorite. I also, like, I did grow up learning about New York as, like, you know, a cultural center and a place where, like, when you grow up, you get to move to New York. And I was lucky enough to get to move to New York. Recording from New York right now. It's lovely to be back. So getting to um, teach Knox about that as well. Um, but also it's just funny. I'm I'm also excited for Sesame Street on, in this vein of the puppets I can do. Okay. I find that to be paradoxical. Okay, why? Um, because puppets are not real. Uh, okay. So why not just show your child an animated films? I just, the puppets are funny. Puppets are, I relate to them. It's like stuffed animals that Knox has really started responding to the faces on stuffed animals and, and faces in real life too. He describes my face, but it's amazing to watch him look at like the, the scream at the, in a loving way, at the face on like a giraffe or a mm. lemon or whatever. Squeal. Yeah, he squeals. No, he's actually like screaming. I'll send you the okay, video of him at the lemon that you gave us actually. Huh. But so there's something about the face on the puppets and that you could like, something tactile, I think. Okay, that's okay. that's what I'm looking for. I like Muppets Take Manhattan. I think Great Muppet Caper might be my favorite. I think that the Muppets really shaped my sense of humor in yeah. a pretty serious way. Like the Muppets and like, I don't know, Steve Martin. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm trying to think of what are the things when I was seven, eight, nine, ten 10 that I was really into. I really like the watching reruns of the Muppets show mm. in particular. That was a really cool show. Um, this is a great one. I like that one a lot. Uh, my number four is Toy Story. Talked about this movie ad nauseum, but uh, I wonder how young is too young and how old is too old to show Toy Story to a kid. You know, I mentioned my nephew Jack got really into it. I feel like at two years old, I want to say he really clicked with it. It is a little bit of a boy movie, a little bit. You know, Andy being the central figure, Buzz and Woody being the kind of heroes. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I think it's more that once kids understand what toys are, you know, there is that like special moment when they're like imagining an entire life for their toys and it does latch onto that. So two, two seems right. And that doesn't seem, you know, gender specific. Alice is in this phase now where you know, she has like a playpen cause she's so active. She's crawling all over the place. She's trying to like pull to stand a lot. And in her like dome, her area of play, she just has a million toys cause she's spoiled. And she 
just like bounces from toy to toy like every 18 seconds. You know, she's just like, over here is a rod and a shape that I want to touch. And over here is a ball that I want to roll. Mm-hmm. And over here is a, a card that has another child's face on it and I want to lick it and bite it. And over here is a mirror and I want to look deeply into the mirror because I'm fascinated by my own image. So I worry a little bit about her ability to focus. <laughs> so I wonder, I don't know if she's, these movies are going to She's a baby. For, it's okay. She's a, she's she's a, a baby. baby. She'll she's get baby. there. She's not. She's one. She's That's still that, a baby, right? Aren't they babies till they're two? I don't know how that works. Okay. Um, okay, what's your Maybe we should find out. Uh, my number three is when I cheated. Um, it's two John Hughes movies, one for early childhood and one for middle childhood. Uh, Home Alone and then Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Home Alone references myself. You, just a lot of We Forgot Kevin or Where's Kevin in response mm. to me trying to not forget my own child as I travel. Uh, but this was like a very early favorite of mine. Kid gets to be an adult and be rambunctious and, you know, outsmart everyone. And and a fair amount of like slapsticks, like sight gag, you know, things. I, I guess I just really like it when people run into things. Um, humor. But, you know, still very sweet. I just, even the poster with the, you know, um, Macaulay Culkin doing the hands on the side of his face. I remember like doing that a lot as a child. I don't know. This was pretty formative for me. And then, I don't know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off might be my favorite movie. Every time I think about it, I'm just like, this movie rules. We should all be so lucky as to be Ferris Bueller. Uh, I If Knox likes Ferris Bueller, I'll be a, a happy person. Do you think Knox is going to be a Ferris or a Cameron? Well, I'm a Cameron, so genetics aren't in his favor. It's tough being a Cameron, man. It's not easy. I know. Though, you know, you're reading that the movie is really about him is uh, correct. So that's nice. Because John Hughes was a Cameron. Yeah. But I don't know. Confidence, ingenuity, being able to do Twist and Shout in a Parade, that's like really all I want for my son. So I would love for him to be a Ferris. Okay. You got to instill that confidence deeply in him. I know. I'm trying. My number three is, it's kind of a strategic decision here, actually. It's the Red Balloon. I don't know how familiar people are with this. Oscar-winning short film. French film, mostly uh, wordless. Uh, It's live action. It's not animated. Um, It's about a little boy who follows a red balloon that like takes him all through Paris. Um, And it's a gorgeous movie. And the reason it's strategic is because this movie is only 33 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this could be the first movie that we watch that Alice completes. Because that's the thing. It's really hard to get a kid through a full-length movie if you're under the age of three. So can we pull off the red balloon as the first go? Especially because that the balloon itself is so visually appealing. And Alice also loves to trail things. Like if I, I can just like <laughs> take a scarf and just like walk across the room with it and she'll just follow me all the way across the room like some sort of dazed animal. Um so gonna, we're going to try this movie, I, maybe in a few months. But I'm excited to show it to her because it's beautiful. Albert Albert, Albert Lamoris uh, is the filmmaker, and um, it's from the '60s or the '50s rather. But um, holds up; it's quite beautiful. You seen this? Yes, but a long time ago. I, I think I was actually shown it at a fairly young age. Mm. I have a similar, slightly strategic. If we can't make it through the whole movie, maybe we can make through parts of it later on. It? Oh, okay. Yeah. No. No spoilers. 
What's uh what's number two for you? Number two is Mary Poppins, um, which is kind of like the childhood movie for me. I hadn't seen it in so long, and then I rewatched it for the release of the new Mary Poppins with Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. And I I was like overwhelmed with sense memory and emotion because I watched this movie so much as like a, a two, three-year-old kid and then, you know, kind of grew up and like grew past it. But um, the, the like all of the music and obviously Julie Andrews is hugely <laughs> important to me. See also The Sound of Music, which I'm also looking forward to showing Knox, but you know, I, that's like I watch every Christmas. That's an unofficial Christmas movie for yours truly. So there's something like childlike wonder um, about Mary Poppins. Uh, and, and you know, the bright colors and parts of it are animated, like sort of. That, you know, d- the... Yeah. So kind of counts. I don't know. It's magical. It's a good pick. I look forward to showing this one as well. The se- the sequel, not so much. No. Not, didn't didn't that's love okay, that. But didn't, Emily Blunt forever. I mentioned once before on the pod, I think that we played a lot of Disney classics in the house. And um, one of the surefire bangers is is Be Our Guest. That's oh, yeah. like, that's just heat. It's just a mm-hmm. fire starter of, of a song. Alice really likes that one. So Beauty and the Beast is pretty high mm-hmm. on the list for us as well. You know, uh, I was not a huge Beauty and the Beast fan when it came out. I was, I think, nine or ten when this movie was released. Didn't really speak to my interests as I was evolving into a boy who would soon discover Reservoir Dogs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is is true. Uh, But I've come to appreciate it over time. And I feel like she'll appreciate it as well. Uh, Where where does this sit for you in the kind of late 80s, early 90s Disney classics? Pretty high up. Songs are really good. I found myself um, singing the the intro to Belle, which is the first song in The Beauty of the Beast, but with new words to Knox when he was mm. very small. I, I don't know why. Um, I just, it it stuck in my head. So this, this is a good one. It would be up there for me. I don't have any Disney movies on my list, even though I consumed a lot of them. And I'm not averse to it. I'm mm-hmm. just not gonna go out there and be like, here are a bunch of, of princesses and then also Robin Hood, which I really liked. Robin Hood's really good. I really like Bambi too. I want to. I want to do Bambi, but it's so sad. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Yeah, we'll see. I'll wait on that. Okay, what's your number one? Singing in the rain. And this is the one where, I, like, I don't know when we'll make it through the whole movie, but maybe we can at least make it through the musical numbers, which are, you know, like bright colors and people moving and lots of energy and only like three or four minutes. Um, and this is, I'll be crushed if he doesn't like singing in the rain. And I know he might not. But I also, maybe if I start him just young enough, it'll just be like, wow, what are those people doing? What's happening? And there's just like such a sense of joy. And it is, there a lot of like kind of the fast-paced frenetic energy, but maybe not in a way that totally melts his brain. I'm like, maybe this is kind of the energy that's good for you. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I love this movie very much. I think he'll love Donald O'Connor. He might struggle with some of the more romantic numbers. Right. You know, when, when it's just Debbie Reynolds and Gene Kelly swooning over a ladder, that might sure, be a little more challenging. Sure, but you've got, you know, Good Morning, which I sing to him all the time now. And one. you've got Moses Supposes mm-hmm. and, you know, Make Him Laugh. That's, I don't know, that's enough right there. I'm not going to start with the dream ballet. I'm not crazy. 
I think it's a great pick. I, I hope Alice appreciates this movie. If she doesn't, then um, we That's have sad. to send her back. Yeah. Where, where can we send her? Send her to the land of minions. Uh, my number one's The Wizard of Oz. Most important movie to me. Talk about it all the time. It's obvious. I think this will still work. It's very heartening to hear that this movie is still in the early stages of like my child's film education and that it still has a power. And that transition from black and white to color still takes the breath away. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to show this to her. I'm not sure what the right time will be. I'm open to suggestions. If any listeners out there have showed this to their children, when it actually clicked for them would be nice to know. This is just a short list. There's a lot of stuff. You know, I got to get Miller's Crossing in there. You know, I got to get There Will Be Blood in there. Dog Day Afternoon. There's so many others I can't wait to show. Yeah, all of Nancy Myers' movies. I actually almost did put Nancy Myers' The Parent Trap on there, which is a, a great mm. kids movie. And that's, you know, a, a starter to a whole new world. Okay, let's fast forward 10 years from now. Knox mm-hmm. bounds down the stairs and he looks at you with those huge eyes. Yeah. And he says, Mom, I hate the Nancy Myers movies. Stop making me watch them. What do you do? I would say, okay. And Mm -hmm. then I would fume alone in my room (laughs) for a while. You know, I'm trying, I'm going to try to respect his wishes, but I'll also like be really angry. And I think this is going to be the hardest thing. I don't know whether this is true, but right now I'd be like, that's a bad opinion, kid. Like, uh, you know, like I, I love you. I want the world for you, but, and you can have your own opinions, but like, it's not a good one. Um, will I say that to him? I'm going to try not to. Will I be able to help myself? Probably not. I was wondering if you'll be wielding the Amanda Blade with him because Eileen and I have been talking about just how to navigate some of this stuff with with Allison. You know, the the parenting strategy of acknowledging feelings and saying, rather than saying, no, don't do that. Saying, right. I know it's frustrating. I, I know that this can be difficult and I understand how you're feeling. But this is important that we do this, you know, speaking in that pedantic, right. theoretically, emotionally open way. I, you know, I struggle with that as a professional bickerer. You know, this is really one of my great skills in life. It's kind of is mixing it up, you know, yeah. like I, I'm in this line of work for a reason. So I wonder if uh, if that's going to stick for me. But for you, you're also a, a bickerer par excellence. So I, I've been haunted by... A, a podcast that we've actually already recorded, but I don't think has been released yet, where you gave me a very hard time about uh, my support of things that you like that I don't give a shit about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I have felt bad about that, but primarily I've just been like, Knox is going to be in it, no, into all sorts of stuff that I just don't care about. <laughs> I don't care. And I know everyone says, oh, well, you know, when you're a parent, like your child will love something and so you'll be interested in it too. And I just like, how much pinball am I going to play with this kid? Like mm-hmm. none, you know, I don't care. So I'm going to have to find a more supportive way to be like, that's so cool that you love that, you know, weird animated movie i'm really happy for you and i'd love to watch it a thousand times in a row you're so fucked oh my god <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know okay let's wrap this conversation this has been an intimate one about minions of course uh mm-hmm. amanda thanks you'll be back on the show next week thanks to our producer mike wargon for his work on today's episode filling in for bobby wagner stay tuned later this week The big picture is going to be covering Thor Love and Thunder, Taika Waititi's 
hugely anticipated fourth Thor movie. We'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.